Welcome to the Rebellion, episode 23 of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. How are you guys doing? Thanks, as always, for taking some time off and joining me today. I am your host, Alberto Calderon. And again, thank you for taking the time and spending a few minutes, an hour. Who knows? It all depends how much fun we're having today. Last week was a great show, one of my favorite shows. A lot of people on the, on the chats, a lot of great questions. So we went, I think, our longest episode so far, almost an hour and 15 minutes. So yeah, let's see what happens today. We're here to talk Star Wars, talk about this franchise that we love so much. Sometimes we, when it's not going our way or people are just being mean about it, we sometimes bring it down and say, hey, don't worry about it. It's just a movie. Don't take it too serious. But we know that the themes in Star Wars are universe, universal. And that's one of the reasons why we love it so much. And there's a lot that we can take away from it. But on times, on certain times that we're going right now, not just with the pandemics, but everything happening in the last couple of days, we also got to take a step back and wish everyone out there to be safe, stay safe, do what you need to do. But there's a lot going on in the world that it's good also to come away from it, relax, and talk Star Wars and see where we go. So yes, today trying things a little bit different. I got I usually just use my laptop for podcasting, but I got a screen from work, an extra monitor that we're going to throw it out. Say no, no, no. I think I can repurpose that. I turned into a Java real quick and just started asking, "Hey, if you don't need that, send it my way." So I get an extra monitor right now. So I'm gonna be. You're gonna see me looking to the side gonna be doing things a little bit different, see if I can share my screen a little bit better than last time and try to have a better show. So we'll go there and thanks to everyone watching online right now, watching this live on the chat. If you are there, make sure to sound off, let us know that you're there. If you're watching this afterwards in the replay, again, thanks, jump into the comments, let me know what you guys think. Subscribe, comment as always, hit that like button, thumbs up, whatever, just let me know. And of course, when it comes out on the podcast on Monday, give it a listen, rate, review, send me tweets, let me know how things are going. If you like it, if you didn't like it, something I missed, then make sure to just let me know. It's a lot of ways you can enjoy Radio Rebellion, and I enjoy talking to you guys. So again, if you're on the chat, let me know that you're there. If not in the comments when you're doing the, the replay of the show later tomorrow, probably, or later today, and then the podcast on Monday. So yeah. What a week for Star Wars. A lot of things have happened this last week. We, May 25th came and came and went. A New Hope, the one that started it all, turned 43 years old. Can you? 43, right? Yeah. Were you guys, which one out there was alive when A New Hope, a New Hope came out and was lucky enough to see it in theaters? I wasn't. I was born in 1980. Still too young to see Empire Strike Back when it came out on theaters, but I did catch it a little bit later. And then speaking of, any, of Empire Strike Back, on the same day, May 25th, 1980. So 40 years of Empire Strikes Back, lauded by many, including myself, as the best Star Wars movie out there. But everything, it's, it depends on you. So sometimes I just watch A New Hope a week or so ago. And man, that's a great movie. Sometimes it just trips up there with Empire for a little bit, and then it comes back down. But 
yeah, a lot of stuff happening this week, like I mentioned, and also May 25th, make solo two happen day. So if you didn't like solo, yes, that day, May 25th, wasn't the day for you to be on Twitter. The hashtag make solo two happen to cover. I probably retweeted and tweeted about, I don't know, 25, 30 times about make solo two happen. And yeah, it's a great movie. There's a lot of things that can come out from a solo sequel. A lot of people have said it doesn't need to be a theatrical movie, and I agree. And I agree. Disney Plus is the way to go with a series, eight episodes, ten episodes, and you can branch it off a bunch of different ways. You can follow Han and Chewie, Chewie, which is what I would love. I know a lot of people prefer to go the Kira, Darth Maul, and Crimson route route. Follow Lando, Enfist Nest. There's a lot of stuff that can happen with a solo two. So again, May 25th. Make Solo 2 Day, Make Solo 2 Happen Day was great. Uh, congratulations to everyone at Star Wars Newsnet, John Huey, uh, the Resistance Broadcast for setting everything up. It was a great day for fans of Solo. Um, also, that same day, my little contribution to Make Solo 2 Happen, I recorded with the guys at Wannabe Jedi Podcast, and we talked about Crimson Dawn's the face of Crimson Dawn, Dryden Ball. So yeah, we had a, had a great chat. Look for the show, their episode to come out. I believe it's June 10th. And if you guys are not following those guys, make sure to do. And then wait for that episode to come out in about a week and a half, two weeks. Um, and yeah, and it's also great to have family members that know you're a Star Wars fan. This came in the mail from my brother-in-law the other day. Look at that. Black Series Sith Trooper. Yeah, gotta love it. So once I get a better setup, not a little corner of my room, then I'll start putting all these guys up. Uh, what else happened? What else happened this week? Um, SpaceX, you guys saw that? Rocket left from Cape Canaveral here in Florida up to the space stations, been nine years, 11 years since 2009, I think that NASA has sent a rocket from the United States up to the space station. So yeah, I agree. again, science fiction, you know, from space station, moon, Mars, we'll keep going. We'll find some aliens out there. Speaking of aliens, it's gonna be a special topic later today. Best and worst aliens in Star Wars will be the return of our Star Wars Yelp recurring series. We'll be only our second episode, but yeah, we'll get to it in time so let me check real quick i got a few comments oh look who it is anthony aka rural fine boy afternoon anthony thanks as always for joining the show and people like you that's why we do this that's why it keeps me going especially when i'm down on the podcast sometimes comments from you guys i get your questions even one or two people jumping on the chat that's all we need we just need to talk star wars that's why we're here so yeah all right, so what else, what else? Oh, yes, I, let me talk about this real quick. Um, two weeks ago, actually, Anthony, you remember, you asked me a question here, what was my favorite weapon in Star Wars? And I said a lightsaber, but that I couldn't decide which one, which lightsaber, lightsaber hilt was my favorite. And one of the, uh, the show's fans, Eden Gray, was on the chat and she basically said, why don't you throw out a poll on Twitter and see what, see what you get back? So I did, I put a poll out. I got the results last week and I forgot to talk about it. Again, we were having so much fun last week. I forgot to talk about the lightsaber poll. I forgot to talk about the 
previous episode of the Mandalorian docu documentary, which we'll do that today. We'll cover the last two episodes. But yeah, back to the lightsaber poll. So I did a few categories on light side, dark side, original trilogy, prequel, animated sequel trilogy. And it kept going a few more polls after that. And not surprised by the winner on the dark side side of the lightsaber debate. I'm sure you guys know it was Darth Maul and his double-bladed lightsaber came out on top. He got a little bit of a battle from Dooku at the beginning. They tied that first round, but then Darth Maul went ahead and just destroyed the competition. You know, he likes to create chaos, so he went ahead and did. Then on the light side, I was a bit surprised on, of the winner, but I guess with the Clone Wars just ended and all the rumors are out there about live action Ahsoka series, the Rebels sequel series and all that, maybe shouldn't be so much of a surprise that Ahsoka Tano's double lightsaber or two lightsabers were the ones to actually come out the winner on the light side. So I didn't do a final vote to see which one between those ones. I thought it was a karma, I guess, who have Ahsoka and Maul have the favorite lightsabers out there. So congratulations to both of you guys. And with that said, before we jump to that, a few mentions. This is episode 23. We're two weeks away from our 25th episode, and it's going to be a special one. We're going to be recording with the guys from Wannabe Jedi podcast and also with the Geek Strike Back podcast. So we're going to have a bunch of guests. going to have fun that show. Not sure if it's going to be a live show or just the audio podcast, but Make sure to start thinking about some questions to send. That's going to be a great show in about two weeks. And yeah, give a quick shout out to From a Certain Point of View podcast. I was on their live stream a little bit earlier today. Those guys crushed it with the girls from, sorry, the host from Force of Light Entertainment. They had a great show talking about Leia and Han and the relationship and the psychology behind it. So shout out to those guys. Had a great show as always. So with that said, if you guys are ready, I know I'm, I'm ready, so let's talk Star Wars. Star Wars news. So our first news comes from Star Wars themselves. StarWars.com gave us our first trailer for the game show Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. And that's going to be held and hosted by no one else but our friend Ahmed Best. So Jedi Temple Challenge is a new game show that's going to be premiering on June 3rd, which is actually this Wednesday, which is kind of cool that it's the trailer just dropped and we're going to be seeing the first couple of episodes in about two or three days. Uh, one thing that was a bit of a surprise, it doesn't, seems that it's going to premiere on Disney+, Plus, which is kind of a shock. Uh, it's going to be on the Star Wars Kids YouTube page and also the Star Wars Kids channel, I believe, or Disney channel. Uh, let me check real quick. Um, StarWarsKids.com and the Star Wars Kids YouTube page. I'm sure even at least maybe when the first season is over, they'll put it on Disney+. Plus. They've done that before. They did that with Resistance, and then they pass it to Disney Plus, or maybe after the first few episodes comes out, everything will then premiere also on Disney Plus, which makes sense to me, but who knows? 
Uh, so let me read a little bit about it. Uh, Ahmed Best, like I mentioned, best known for George and Binks. He had a cameo, I believe, in episode three or episode two. I think episode two in the boy scene he appears. But he's going to be playing Jedi Master Kelleran Beck. And I got to show you this. So yeah, if you ever wonder what a Jedi Master should look like, Ahmed Best looks... Awesome as a Jedi Master. I wish, I hope that Kelleran Beck becomes canon in the sense he is canon, obviously, but in the sense that we can see him live action. Give Ahmed Best a little more to do. Sorry, in the Star Wars world, but just seeing Kelleran Beck the way that Ahmed Best portrays him in that picture, on, just by seeing that picture, it's, it's killing it. So hopefully we can get more from him later. We also learned that Mary Holland will voice a droid AD3, which is characterized as a wise-cracking protocol droid, so the opposite of C-3PO. Although C-3PO it is, he is kind of funny, but not in a wise-cracking kind of way. And this show is mostly tailored to younger audience, so it should be a pretty awesome droid. And fan favorite Sam Whitworth will also provide some sort of dark side influence i think it says a unique voice to the dark side by sam whitworth so we'll see we know he does Darth Maul. he's done the emperor in rebels and clone wars i believe so we'll see what sam whitworth brings to the show star wars jedi temple challenge this seems like something i will watch my family i'll watch it with my kids we'll sit down every week on wednesday if it stays wednesday hey let's take 30 minutes or whatever how long it is sit down and watch it we'll enjoy it it's another great way to bring the younger generation into Star Wars. If it's sometimes the movies are not what they like, sitting two hours, two and a half hours on a movie or all the animated shows. Sometimes not everyone's cup of tea, but if you put a game show on, my, my kids love game shows, every type of game show. If you put Star Wars and something like Jedi Challenge, they're going to be... So like I can mention premiering with two full episodes on June 3rd, uh, the weekly series tests young Padawan's strength, knowledge, and bravery in a series of trials designed to discover who is capable of becoming a Jedi Knight. My kids are going to eat this up, and as soon as that episode is over, they're going to start jumping all around the house, trying to build their own temple, Jedi temple inside the house, jumping over couches, testing everything. I'm a Jedi Knight, and you know what? After they break like the third or fourth base or whatever, then I'm cool with it because it's Star Wars. And if they want to be Jedi Knights, I'll be their Jedi Master. So, yeah. Yeah, like you said, Anthony, Sam will be the voice of the dark side. So, uh, we'll see. There's a lot you can do in this type of show and just having a voice of the dark side come in from time to time when they're doing the challenges and just throw them off the game. Should be pretty interesting. And who knows if Ahmed Best char character Keller and Beck has an interaction with this dark side voice. So we'll see. Again, Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge premieres this Wednesday, June 3rd. So make sure to subscribe to the Star Wars Kids YouTube page or .com. And we'll talk about it next week and see if it is what we think it is. All right. So... Second news, it was a little bit of late breaking news yesterday night after I had finished all my show notes. This came on that this is according to the Illuminerdy. Ezra Bridger coming to live action. Uh, not a surprise because of all the recent rumors with Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, 
Sabine, Rebel Sequel, sooner or later, Ezra Bridger was gonna come into play, so let's go over it real quick. So the Illumi Illuminati reports that Lucasfilm is casting for an adult Ezra Bridger between 30 and 40 years of age, preferably of Asian descent, but open to Indian, Latin, or Middle Eastern. Uh, and they also go on to say that this is not for the Mandalorian. Um, I forget, I'm gonna, if you're watching, listening to this on the podcast, you can see the picture I have up. This, I'm 99% sure this is a fan drawing, fan animation, and I couldn't find the origin of it, so I can't give credit to whoever created it, but it gives us an idea of what an adult Ezra Bridger might look like. So yes, uh, you, you guys remember when, when three years ago, when Benicio del Toro was cast for The Last Jedi and all that rumors started that he was gonna be playing an adult Ezra Bridger. No, that didn't happen. But it looks like an adult Ezra Bridger will be coming to live action sooner than later. Um, so yeah, not fit for the, Man or not for the Mandalorian, I should say. So let's start those speculating. Let's start hypothesizing what type of show Ezra Bridger should show up at. Um, that it won't be his own show, probably. I'm guessing the Ahsoka series, if it's what we've always been thinking is going to be, Ahsoka and Sabine on the search for Ezra and Thrawn out in the unknown regions, this is what makes most sense. If they're really casting someone between 30 and 40 years of age, if you look at the chronolo chrono 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 chronological order of Star Wars, <clears throat> sorry, words difficult sometimes, um, so Ezra at the beginning of Rebels, I had to look this up. He is 15 years old at the beginning of Rebels. Rebels ends right before A New Hope. And between the first and last episode of Rebels, it's five years. So by the end of Rebels, he's 20. If the original trilogy is between four and five years, if I'm not mistaken, he's 25. The Mandalorian happens five years after Return of the Jedi. So he's 30 at that point. So if all the rumors are true, are true that season two will see Ahsoka, maybe Rex and Sabine show up in The Mandalorian as a launch for their own show afterwards, then it makes sense that Ezra at this age, at this time period, at this era is around 30 years old. So they should be casting someone this age. Um, I have a few fan castings, it's not just mine. Oh, look who's here, Pete from JT Comlink. Hey there, Peters. Thanks as always for coming and support, supporting the show. Always great to have you guys here. So for you guys on, in the chat while I'll keep talking, what do you guys think about the Ezra Bridger kind of news? Do you think this, I, as always, let me preface this. This is just rumors, nothing is confirmed. After we hear from Lucasfilm, Disney, or anyone really involved, we can just speculate responsibly and hypothesize in hyperspace, like I say. But does it make sense for Ezra Bridger to now kind of be included in all the show rumors that have been going around? So doing a little bit of fan casting, and that's the first person I thought when they said, adult Ezra Bridger, I saw that picture that I just showed, was, let me get the name right, Mena Masad, who played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin movie. He's already in the Disney family by being in Aladdin. Look at that guy, you think he can play 
Ezra pretty easily. I think he did a great job in Aladdin. And I think the Aladdin character and Ezra are a little bit similar. So I think he can pull it off pretty easily. Um, Mena is 25 years old at the moment. Sorry, um, 28. So 28 years old. And by the time this show, wherever Ezra will show up, will be two or three years in the future he'll be at that 30 age mark that they're looking for. So I think he fits great. And then I remember this guy, and this is not my my idea. This has been going around for a while, is for Dev Patel to play an adult Ezra Bridger. And I don't think I need to say anything. He looks the part. If you're looking for a great actor, you're not going to go wrong with Dev Patel. Patel, we know him for Slumdog Millionaire, Lion, and a bunch of other movies. He's a great choice, a great casting choice. So wouldn't surprise me if they go this route, and I don't think anyone would be opposed to it. He's 28. No, actually, he's 30 years old right now. So again, 30. If this show starts, production starts in two to three years. It's running that middle 30 to 40 year old that they're looking for. So another great cast fits the bill. And one that I couldn't get that picture up because I was just thinking about this like five minutes before the, I, the show started. I was going through Twitter real quick and he actually retweeted Star Wars news, not Star Wars news, I wrote it down here, uh, let me look for it, uh, anyway, he retweeted the Ezra Bridger news, and his actor Raul Colley, he's from iZombie, and he's a huge Star Wars fan, and he retweeted the Star Wars news, the, the rumor about Ezra, about them looking for a 32, 40-year-old Ezra, he's 28 at the moment, so again, sorry, 38, so he's a little bit older if you want to be closer to that 48 mark, but those three actors fit the bill of what they're looking for. They're great actors. They have a good comedic timing, both all three of them. And I think all three will beat the hell out of this Ezra Bridger casting. So I'm fine with any of them. So let's see what happens. Um, so yeah, what are you guys saying out there on the chat? Let me check in real quick with you guys. Oh, Eden Gray made, made it to the show. Hi, Eden. As always, love to have you guys here. I would love it to be for an Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Ren show. Me too. And I think that's the safest bet. The safest bet and also the best bet. That's where Ezra fits on a separate show with just Ezra and Thrawn. But I think that's too risky right now. If they bring in the Ahsoka and Sabine show for a few episodes and the end of season one or the beginning of season two, you have Ezra come in. You know, Throne won't be far behind, so you can bring Throne live action. People are just gonna lose their mind. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Uh, so let me see. Now I got uh, looking for Ezra stuck in my head. Um, I don't know which one that is, but I don't want any more songs stuck in my head. So when that happens, I can't sleep for days. So, um, so anyway, Ezra could be in the casting show. Does the timeline line up at all? Um, let me see what Anthony says because it will take me 10 minutes to put out that timeline on my head. Likely not, even Cassian's show will be five years before Rogue One. Yeah, again, this is still still following the Rebels timeline, so it doesn't unless he's a younger character. And who knows, maybe they're no, he might be gone already. So, yeah, the Ice Zombie guy, so Raul Colley. Um, Lucasfilm has a habit of hiring people who are already Star Wars fan, John Fravel, Donald Faison. 
again, you're right. He's a Star Wars fan. I think he's been a bit critical of the sequel trilogy, but everything else he's, he really likes. And I think people can put that aside. The profession comes first. And if he's a great actor and he wants to do it and he beats the casting, then go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah, casting at the same time as travel. So it's a little bit difficult if they're going with the older casting, but again, it doesn't matter. Ezra, and this is one that I don't mind. I know we've been a bit critical of all the rumors for the Mandalorian season two because they just keep piling and piling. But if it's a separate show, again, if Ahsoka and Sabine and even Rex come just for one episode in the Mandalorian, launch their own show with with Ezra two years from now, because you have Mando season two this year, then you have Cassian next year, Mando season three, Kenobi, and then the Ahsoka show is still like three or four years in the future, unless they start putting two shows at once the same year, which they'll have to, they have Mandalorian season three coming out next year with Cassian, which I'm all up for it. All right, so next news is, it's a, not bad, but the High Republic was delayed a little bit. It was so amped up for the High Republic, first known as Project Luminous, but yeah, the High Republic was delayed a little bit. Another news coming straight from StarWars.com is that Lucasfilm has confirmed new dates for the launch of Star Wars, the High Republic, due to the general marketplace delays, which unfortunately has to do with the COVID-19 pandemic. So what we know so far from Star Wars is that, I'm so, uh, let me pull this up. Charles Soule, adult novel Star Wars, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi will come out January 5th. And that same day, Justina Ireland's middle-aged novel, A Test of Courage also comes out January 5th. And then Claudia Gray's young adult novel, Star Wars, The High Republic, Into the Dark comes out a month later on February 2nd. They don't have dates yet for Daniel Jose Alders and Kevin Scott, Marvel, Star Wars, The High Republic series, or IDW publishing Star Wars, The High Republic adventure series. So those two don't have dates at the moment. Expect them, I'm going to guess, a few months after the first books come out. So maybe March, April, May, that's time frame. Maybe they give with three novels coming back to back to back exploring this new era of Star Wars. I think they might give it a little bit of a breather afterwards before they bring in more, more stories after that. It might be too much and people might skip a few, a few books. I think this is what happened when Bloodline came out at the same time or close to the same time as the first Aftermath book. They promoted the Aftermath book a lot. Bloodline got pushed a little bit behind it. Didn't get that following until a little bit later. They might not want this to happen. So although I do want all of those books at once, because I'm going to go through them as quickly as possible, it might be difficult for a lot of people to pick up three novels in that short period of time. Again, money is always tight, and those books sometimes are not cheap. Plus, they are extremely long. It's like 400 pages. So it does take a little bit of time. But yeah, High Republic, bring it this the new era of Star Wars with the High Republic. If they need to wait a little bit to make sure everything is set, there's no delays when everything is supposed to come out, then we'll wait a few more months. Uh, Mandalorian season two will come out soon, so we can we can survive. So one more thing that we learned from um, that report from Star Wars news, sorry, from starwars.com was straight from 
Michael Siglain, which is the creative director at Lucas Publishing, he put out this letter when the news broke. Uh, we did learn a few new tidbits from Michael. Oof, excuse me. And he says on this letter that we would hear more from the authors this, this summer and to make sure we ask them about the heroes of Hetzel, the twins, the blade of Bardota, the Staros and Santeca clans, and the storm. So, so let's unpack that a little bit because there is a lot that we can take from that. So first off, thanks to Michael to not put out a letter like this. If you guys can find it online on starwars.com, it tells you basically what happened, all the new publishing dates that I mentioned. Then this little paragraph assuring fans that they haven't forgotten, they're still working on this. And he says that we're gonna learn more from the authors during the summer. First thing to pop into our head is Star Wars Celebration, which is was scheduled for August, hasn't been officially canceled yet. Um, I live here in Florida. I know Celebration is in Anaheim, I believe, this year, but being so close to Disney, Disney World, Disneyland, and Disney over here is going to start opening in the next few weeks to months. It wouldn't surprise me if they have a successful opening, they're able to keep people safe and healthy, that they push on with Star Wars Celebration with a bunch of restrictions. But if they do come out with Star Wars Celebration during the summer, then we'll learn more about all these new things that I mentioned, the Heroes of Hetzal, the Twins, the Blade of Bardot, and a few more that we're gonna discuss real quick. The other thing I was thinking is something that Star Wars should do, and I'm not the first one to say this, if Star Wars Celebration gets canceled for whatever reason, just do what the MCU and what Marvel does, just rent out a theater somewhere and have your own show just for you guys, three hours, and give us all the news that we're gonna get in four days in Celebration. Imagine if you have live stream and you, you can have a few, I guess, reporters on hand or a live stream of you have Catherine Kennedy come out, talk about Mandalorian season two, you bring out Favreau, you bring out Faloni, you confirmed one or two of the rumors, either Ahsoka or Boba Fett, probably Ahsoka, confirm Ahsoka, people will go nuts. Then you bring Cassian, and I forget who's the showrunner right now for the cash and show. You bring them, you bring out K2 with Alan Tudyk, you bring Diego Luna, and then you bring out Bell Organa or Mon Mothma, uh, Kellerman, and Fisness. You bring any of those guys out to confirm that, people go nuts. Then you have Deborah Chow come in, talk about Kenobi, show a couple of pictures. You have Obi-Wan come out again, Will McGregor. People go nuts, and then you bring, you do your, Publishing panel, you bring all the writers, you discuss the High Republic and what we can expect. And then you finish up with the movies. You can bring, uh, I'm sorry, before with the show, so I don't leave her out, uh, Leslie Highland, that we know she's also gonna be writing and directing a Disney Plus series. Bring her out, talk a little bit about that, what her show is gonna be. Give us a time frame of in the next five years, it's all the, TV series you're gonna get from Star Wars, all the books coming from the High Republic this year. And then you bring, you finish up the movies, at least with Taika Waititi, at least a time frame of what his stories might be about. So even if you don't have Star Wars, an official Star Wars celebration, you can still do something this summer with all the same news. You'll dominate the airspace for weeks and you don't have to worry about all the safety issues and concerns about opening up something as big as Star Wars celebration. So we'll see. 
Um, so yeah, so a few of those tidbits. So Heroes of Head Cell, no idea what that is. So yeah, I want to know what the Heroes of Head Cell, it has to be a big battle and we'll figure out, find out what that was. The twins, the first thing you think about is Luke and Leia. Is this another prophecy? Probably. Or is it some other twins? Maybe it's the dyad. They're called the twins because the first dyad were, were twins and we learn a little bit more about it. We heard from the Emperor in Rise of Skywalker, uh, Dyad hasn't been seen in a generation or something like that. So we might hear more about them. Uh, the Staros and Santeca clan. So Santa Staros, if you follow Star Wars comics and books, I know about her because everybody lost their mind because she was saying that she was Han Solo's wife and people, how can Han Solo be married? He only married Leia and blah, blah, blah. So, and then if you see the comics, you know that she was just making this up so he could come to her and then they can go on this mission together. And from the book, Lost Star, so Lost Star, Last Shot from Jose, Daniel Jose Alder, who's also writing for The High Republic. We learned that she's in that book and her, Han, and Lando go on a mission together. So maybe the Star Wars clan has a little bit more background that we know about. And of course, the Santeca clan, it's easy to know. Lois Santeca from the, the Force Awakens. And if you read the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, there is an issue where Lois Santeca, Luke, and Ayon Ben Solo go to an old Jedi temple looking for relics. And he does mention this is uh, a temple from the High Republic era. And they do find a Jedi holocron. And when they open it back in Luke's Jedi Temple, the Jedi that shows up looks very similar to one of the main Jedi from the High Republic. So it's all connected. They know what they're doing. So we'll learn more about this Anteca clan. And finally, the storms. So the storms have to be something to do with the bad guys, the Nile, which we haven't really heard anything about them just from that first video. So hopefully we'll learn something more about the Nile and what this big event is that we're going to be following in the High Republic. Oof, so yeah, High Republic, it got delayed a little bit. We still got some tidbits, so it wasn't a total downer. We just have to wait a few more months, and I'm fine with that. Um, okay, that makes sense for the time I get, talking about Cassian and Ezra. Let's go back a little bit. Yeah, then I totally agree. Just one episode with Sabrina and Sokin. Mando will be absolutely incredible. Yeah, again, Mandalorian has its, its own show. We don't want it to be overwhelmed by everything else. But Ahsoka and Sabine in one episode, dealing with Baby Yoda and whatever happens, will be the way to go. Um, yeah, and this is why I agree with you also. It gives me more time to catch up on more reading. Yeah, there's, I'm still behind on a little bit especially Star Wars stuff. I just ordered, should come here tomorrow, the first Alphabet Squadron book. I want to go through it and then order the second one. The Queen Sparrow novel comes out this week or next week. So there's a lot of Star Wars stuff coming, plus all the Thrawn books that I didn't mention. The first one has been pushed forward. I think it comes out now in October. So there is a lot of Star Wars books and novels. The comic books are still there. So there's still a lot to read. And I agree that an online Star Wars celebration would work great. Author panel, animation panel, TV panels, movies. Yeah, again, it's I can't make it to celebration. It's too far away. One of my greatest regrets is I didn't go three years ago when they had it in Orlando. But yeah, if you can do it online, just a big, huge panel for everyone, it's it's 
they got nothing to lose. Everyone would go nuts about it. So, all right, so our final news topics, it's Mandalorian news. And for the first time in a long time, there's not really any breaking news for the Mandalorian, no casting news, no rumors or anything. What we're going to be talking about is the final two episodes, sorry, the previous two episodes of Disney Gallery, Star Wars, The Mandalorian. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the show today, I forgot to talk about the previous episode, which was all based on technology and the volume. So I'll go over it real quick. If you guys saw it on the chat, just let me know what you thought about it. If you're again watching this on the replay and you did watch those two episodes, let me know what you guys think. And if you're listening to this on the podcast when it comes out on Monday, then send me a quick message on Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod and let me know what you guys thought about those two episodes of the Mandalorian documentary and all the other news topics we've talked about so far. So let's get to it. So yes, that f- episode four, I believe it was the technology one, or episode three, four, episode four, and it was all about the volume and working the volume, this new set, all screens around everywhere. You don't have to go on location to, sh- to shoot. You have to worry if it's raining, if it's too windy, if it's snowing outside, sandstorms and all that stuff when they record on all those deserts in Tunisia and wherever they go. So this gives them a lot of flexibility to redo the shots, make news, new stages. I think Feloni came in and mentioned it takes them 30 minutes to set up something. So if they have to come back and do reshoots or a second unit shot, it only takes them 30 minutes to flip everything, put the image on the screen. So it's a lot easier for them to do those type of pickup shots. It helps the actors so much because they're not acting with green screens and a little tennis ball on a stick. You can see on screen what's going on. And it was Carl Weathers that mentioned, and other people have said it, but it just encapsulated how big of a technology leap this is compared to blue and green screen is that when you were able to see digital images right in front of you, you react a different way. You react more like you react in a real sense. But also when you're acting with three or four other actors and you're all looking at the same thing, it makes it a little, a lot easier to all be in the same page. Because if you're going down the lava river in that final episode and Taika, who was the director, is telling you, telling you, yeah, there's a lava river here. At the end, there's going to be a bunch of stormtroopers. Then you got this droid on mechanical legs behind it. Everyone is going to be looking a different way. But if you have a visual to see it, everyone reacts the same way. Everyone's looking to the same position. So it helps the actors a lot. I'm sure it helps the production. It makes things a lot more accessible, I guess. You don't have to spend $100 million to go on look to four different exotic locations. You can do this now on screen, on set. I think this blows the door wide open for not just Star Wars TV shows, but also for the movies. You don't have to now worry about a 250 million budget movie plus another 200 million in marketing. Then you have to make 700 millions on the box office to break even and have a little bit of a gain. So you can do a lot of these shots on the volume. It saves millions of dollars on production. They can put somewhere else. It brings the production of the movie down. 
and then you don't have that pressure if it doesn't make a billion dollars it's a failure and then it also like i mentioned for the tv shows you don't need those huge budgeted tv shows that you need to worry about for each episode it's still gonna be a big budget because it's, it's star wars but it opens up the door for all the different things you can do all the different shows you can make the reaction like i mentioned with the actors so yeah it's i think the volume was great me as someone that flunked out of <laughs> digital not digital school i went to college originally to study it information technology i wanted to know how to do programming and be a hacker and all that stuff and i changed my major like three weeks before the semester ended because i, I wasn't gonna pass so i am intrigued by all that technology stuff although i don't know how to do it and then we jumped from the technology episode which was a great one to the other spectrum, the other side, which is practical effects. And I think this has been my favorite episode so far. Um, let's go right to it. Baby Yoda, we saw, same as BBA, which they have a digital version, they have the remote control version of BB-8 and then the puppet one. It's very similar for Baby Yoda. They show you all the different steps they went into designing Baby Yoda with the child until they figure out the best look and then having all the puppets, one person does the mouth, one does the ears, the other does the eye, one does the hand, the arms, and look up and look here. And then people have all the directors are directing Baby Yoda like he was a real person. We saw uh, the clients, uh, the way he talked about Baby Yoda, thinking he was a real thing there and again. Deborah Chow repeated the sentiment that he said, oh, you guys are coward if you don't use Baby Yoda, you don't use the puppet. So it's it's good to know that we're not the only ones that fell in love with Baby Yoda. Everyone working in the Mandalorian fell in love with Baby Yoda. And just seeing how he was brought to life was great. Seeing all the actors, similar to the volume that you see everything there so you can react to it having physical or practical effects and practical creatures makes it a lot easier to to have those type of dialogues they show quill the arc not against us three different people you have the actress that with the not the makeup with the costume on doing all the physical movements you have nick nolte providing the voice and then the animatronics guys doing the mouth and the eyes all working together to make sure that it works seamlessly like it did in the, on the show it's a great breakthrough in technology, both CGI version and then the live action puppet wise with the effects. Um, so yeah, did you guys watch those episodes? What do you guys thought? Oh, look, yeah, I'm gonna like Alphabet Squadron. That's what I heard. That's what I, I put on Twitter. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Everything I've heard about Alphabet Squadron is that's great, but I kind of I think that name threw me off at the beginning, so I didn't I didn't buy it when it came out. But now that the sequel is coming, everyone's hyped for it. I'm gonna give it a shot. And look who's here, Michael from Two Met Two. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Pump out the volume. There you go. Raise it. Oh, oh, oh. I'm showing my age doing that. But yeah, the volume was great, and then all the practical effects. So one thing I've heard people, I don't want to say complain, but I think it was mostly at the beginning, basically saying that they're too short. All these episodes are like 30 minutes, so that it's a little bit too short. But if you think about it, there is 
eight episodes of this documentary, 30 minutes, which that's, that's a four hour documentary. We don't get that with anything. All the movies is two hours, 2.20 in a documentary. We're getting a four hour documentary on The Mandalorian. Just watch it all in the end in one sitting. It's gonna be awesome. So I love, again, the 30 minutes, it's fine. Everything at the end, everything works together. So I can't wait for it to, to be done. Um, and that's it for Mandalorian news. I'm talking real quick about the gallery and the Mandalorian documentary. All right. Woo. What a show so far. Thank you guys for tuning in on the chat. Always great to have you and have, be able to have those conversations with you. doesn't matter if you're here for two minutes, five minutes, for the whole hour. I just want to talk Star Wars with someone. Sometimes I just talk Star Wars by myself and my kids and my wife look at me kind of weird. I think they do that anyway. At least now I have an, an excuse. I'm talking to you guys, so let's keep it up. All right. So, yeah, technical and practical effects. I don't know if I put this up. Yeah. So before we jump into our special topic, let me see what you guys are. Oh, Eden, the seamless combination of practical and visual effects plus the pop in the mandolin is absolutely incredible. Nothing that good has come before. You're right. Um, they talked so much about the way George did at the beginning, his ideas, they went to, and I've heard this before that shot by shot, a new hope and uh, trench room from this old World War II movie, and they showed everything the way it was lined up, the way George did at the beginning, then how it moved forward to the way we are now. It's great that it's we're so far forward, but we still go back to the future to improve on what worked before. If it wasn't broke, don't fix it. So this is fixing or improving on something that wasn't broken. And I think it's worked great. And can you imagine for season two what they come up with? Come on, Michael, you're gonna really? It wasn't me, fan of Alphabet Squadron? I don't know, Anthony, they're throwing you now. I'm gonna read it and then I'll come back, do my review and see who, who was right. Okay, so let's move to, like I said, our returning segment of the show and by returning it's doing something for the second time that we did about three months ago i think it was our third episode we did our first it was called star wars yelp where we rate and review some of the best and worst characters or something in star wars and for this the first week we did sorry i'm having issues here all right no, not yet. There we go. All right, so the first time we did Star Wars Yelp, which I'll say I don't really like the name. So if you guys have a better Star Wars name for reviewing and rating something, just let me know. I'll give you credit and I'll change the name of my segment. But the first time we did our best and worst Stormtroopers. And I'll preface this by saying, don't get angry. We're just having fun. Don't take this too seriously. I know sometimes when people criticize Star Wars, even when they do it in a jokey way, some if you come in too late, we might think that we're taking this too serious, but no, just doing this in fun. So yeah, we're gonna, we did our best and worst Stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. Cody, oh, Cody, I hate you. But no, you, you were just doing, as you were told, good soldiers follow order. So, yes. 
So let's get on this. So today, like I mentioned, best and worst alien species. Ding, 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 ding. All right, so let's start with the best. So who are the, some of the best alien species out there in Star Wars? So don't have to look far. Best, and you know it, the Wookiees. So the Wookiees are the best species in Star Wars, bar none. There's nothing to say. Give me the second one. We're going to say a little bit about it. Um, Chewbacca, what can you say about Chewie? He's, poor Chewbacca, has, I think it's the character in Star Wars has been in chains for the, the most times. So if you start enslaved by, I can't even start counting. Poor Chewie, he's been through so much and he's always there helping everyone. Uh, they were there, the Wookiees, for the battle on Kashyyyk. They helped the, the Republic at that time fight off the invading droid army. Chewbacca was there with Tarful and Yoda. We don't know what happened with the droid attack on the Wookiees because Kiyadimundi never told us. But Yoda has good relationship with them. He went over there, helped them out. The Wookiees helped the, the cause. Then we had Chewbacca, unfortunately, he got taken away by the Empire, like we saw in Solo, but he got rescued by Han, and then he fought with Han, trying to get that coaxium on Kessel, but he saw his people, they were being enslaved, and he said, no, not again. He went, he saved um, Sagwan, the other Wookiees, but he knew that Han had saved him before, so he went and kept helping Han Solo, and you know how that went, so Wookiees, they're strong, they're loyal, they'll be there for you. And if they know you're in trouble and you're a good guy, Wookiees will always come to help you. So yes, Wookiees, you have a place on my best alien species. Um, I'll say this is not, when I'm talking about the best, I'm not ranking them one, two, three, four, five, and just you're the best and then you're the worst. So my second best Star Wars species are the Quarren for the only reason that they look extremely cool. I can't explain for but for the past, I want to say four to five months, the quarant look has just become something that I love. The design of the quarant is just awesome. Seeing them in the Mandalorian, then in Clone Wars, just in comics. Uh, again, on the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, there's a Jedi quarant who just looks awesome. I forgot his, ooh, excuse me, forgot his name. But yeah, quarants, you have a place on my list just because you look awesome. So keep it up. I don't think you're that good, but still, Quarrens, you're up there. How can we forget about these guys, the Bothans? You know, sometimes how actors get confused for other actors just because they look a little bit alike. So I think that's the problem with with Bothans. Every time a Death Star is mentioned, oh yeah, the Bothans, they found the plans for the Death Star. No, all right, they found the plans for the second Death Star. No, they just found where it was located, the second one. So a lot of buttons died trying to get us this information. So yes, buttons, you're great. First, because you're part of the rebellion. So of course, you're gonna be up there with the best. You risk your lives and spies to get that information to Mon Mothma. And then you're always put on the wrong place in history, but you still don't care. You always show up, you're always there to help everyone. So buttons. In my book, one of the best Star Wars species. Look at these guys. Come on. 
Mon Calamari. We, we talked about how the Wookiees are so loyal and important in Star Wars, but we wouldn't be anywhere, the Rebellion wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for the Mon Calamaris and the planet Mon Cala. So not only our guy there, Akbar, helped in the destruction of the first Death Star, sorry, the second Death Star, because it's a trap, but who created the B-Wings, one of the most iconic and favorite ship in Star Wars, that, those guys. Who was at the Battle of Scarif? Those guys. Who was at the Battle of the Second Death Star in Return of the Jedi? Those guys. And then again in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Ah, that's it, because he died. Poor Akboy died. Doesn't matter. Mon Calamari, best Star Wars species ever. You're there with the Wookiees. Wookiees and Mon Calamaris. Those are the guys. And I, Mon Cala, they had their their homes on, on the water, their ships, and then they sent them to space, made them part of the rebellion, gave up their homes to fight this evil empire. So yes, the Mon Calamari are right there as the best species in Star Wars. Might get a little bit of hate, but follow me up on this one. Gungans, yes, I said it. Gungans are one of the best species in Star Wars. You see what they're doing there, right? They're not running away. They're standing strong, standing side by side to fight this evil enemy that was brought to their homestead. They were fine living in their home down under the water, being this symbiote species with the Naboo. And then the droids came in. This Jedi brought the droid army, and they don't care. Boss Nas, um, Captain Torpals, Joy of Binks, everyone said, no, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to fight for what's right. We're going to beat this bunch of droids out of here. They gave their life for us, and then they went to the Senate, and they helped over there to bring Palpatine to power. But it doesn't matter. Gungans, you're good on my book. Babu Freak, come on. We don't even know what the hell Babu Freak is. I know. He's an Ancelan. And Ceylon, and Ceylon, it doesn't matter. Look how cute he is. You know how, what my son calls him? The cute guy. So just because of that, Babu Freak, you're one of the best Star Wars species. So that's my son. He's almost seven. I'm watching the Rise of Skywalker. Just tell me when the cute guy comes. Babu Freak, yeah. All right, so before we jump to the worst species in Star Wars, alien species, let's see what you guys are saying on the comments. Radio Rebellion Holo Intercepts. Yeah, don't, 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 don't say it. Don't shut me down. Yeah, Peter saying I'm a Wookiee aficionado. Come on. You'll never have a better sleep than crawling a Wookiee's lap. So you're going to be there for the Wookiees. Um, yeah, Squid's Head. Again, those quarants. Those quarants are just awesome. Uh, sorry, no. No, no, Tolans. Uh, sorry. We'll do it for the second round. Next time we'll do it. Uh, Riley Blatton been killing Bothans for years. <laughs> Poor Bothans again. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, things happen in war. That's how Akbar went out. Again, a lot of people wanted more for Akbar's death. I was fine with it. It's the way war is. If one want to say that this is as real as it gets, that's what happens. And I might get a little bit of hate here, but eh, Akbar, he got popular afterwards all because of it's a trap. But I know a lot of people love Akbar, so cheers to you, Akbar. You are great. Uh, so yeah, Gungans are the best, and they have had a great underwater city, like you said, Eden. So yeah, look at those 
Anthony, yes, Gongans. Everyone's looking for those Gongans. I bet you look like a Gongan. Yeah. <laughs> That's from the Mandalorian. Yeah, you look like a Gongan. That's why you want to take that helmet off, Dean Jaren. All right, so let's go back. And here we go. Like I said, we're just playing. This is just good fun, Don. Don't get mad when we talk about the worst alien species in Star Wars. So the first one, and I think everyone will agree with me, are those slimy huts. Tell me one hut that has done something good in Star Wars. You can't, right? You can't take her over there. The huts are gangsters. All the hut syndicates, we're going to be sold to the hut cartel. There's nothing positive about the huts. They are as bad as they get. Uh, they might employ a lot of people on Tatooine, so they help with unemployment. You saw Jabba has a lot of people working in his palace and in his barge. He does throw a great and a mean pot, pot race with the Bunta Eve classes, so he does employ a lot of people. Slavery. Yes, he does slavery on Tatooine. So no, it doesn't matter how much people you employ. If you're employing them for slavery and bounty hunting, you're still bad. Gardula the hut, uh, Zero the hut, all the huts, they're just bad. So yes, huts, you're one of the worst alien species in Star Wars. If you can show me one hut that did something good that wasn't for his own benefit, I might change my mind. And I won't because one good deed doesn't change 300 bad ones. Uh, yeah, sorry, I got a big work top there. It's a party. All right, so the following worst species in Star Wars, and if you follow my Twitter account, I just put a picture up from 10 years ago that I took with one of these guys. Jawas, look at that. Come on, they're still in R2-D2. Do I need to say anything else to say that why they're one of the worst Star Wars species ever? They're filthy junk traders. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what they're going through. Maybe Java didn't want to employ them, so they got to scrap for the, what they can get. Well, yeah, Jawas, they just take what they want. They stole R2. They stole 3PO. They sold a bad R2 unit to Luke and Owen. They stole the Razor Crest. Everything they just stripped down to parts in about three hours. No more Razor Crest. They put Mando's life in danger just for the suka, suka for a little egg. Jawas are just mean. You gotta watch those pockets. Mean, mean Jawas. So yeah, like I said, Jawas are not good Star Wars alien species. Here we go. You know who these guys are, right? Camino ones. Really? Some weird Jedi comes in and says, I want 200 units of clone troopers and 100 million more later. And I'm not gonna tell you what for. I And they didn't Oh, do you have a receipt for that? Can I talk to your manager? Who's making this order? Are you really making this order in the name of the Republic or in the name of the Jedi Council? They just take his word for it. Uh, some guy named Sifo Diaz. All right, so who do you want to use as a model for the clones? Well, this bounty hunter. All right, that makes sense. Come on, Caminoans. You have big brains. Use them. Doesn't look seem fishy to you? And then Obi-Wan shows up. Oh. Nobody contacts you on 10 years and you just keep doing clones and clones for us, for the army, for the Republic. When's the last time you heard? I don't know. Did you get paid up front? 
Because they don't talk about that. How much money did Saifo Diaz had to pay the Caminoans to make a million clones? The money had to come from somewhere. Caminoans, use your head. Use your head. That wasn't a good move. You see where you brought us to? The end of the Republic. Ah, Caminoans. And then these guys. Come on. Garindan is this character was the species or the Kubas. And I think I've only seen three in all of Star Wars and two of them are evil. So Garindan, he just straight up gives up Han Solo and Luke, calls the Empire, hey, they're trying to live with those droids you're looking for. Then we saw him twice, or this species, sorry, we saw, we saw them twice in the Mandalorian. One of them, okay, he has its own version of Star Wars, uh, what do you call them, taxi service? I don't even know now. Um, so all right, they'll give you a ride, they'll get you to your ship. If you don't want droids, they won't give you a droid. So, okay, that guy was cool. I'm pretty sure he was charging extra, but ah, all right. But then one of you bastards, and I'm sorry for getting, for talking like that, but you went and you almost killed baby Yoda. Oh my, if you take a shot at baby Yoda, I don't think you're gonna be on this list. You got another thing coming. Kubas, Kubas out of here. Yeah, I don't even wanna look at you anymore. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for this? This is when I'm gonna get in trouble. I don't care, I'm gonna say it. And I said I wasn't rating them one to five or whatever. But the worst, the worst alien species in Star Wars is those guys, Ewoks. I said it, Ewoks. Some people call them cute. Others call them murder bears. Ewoks. <sighs> yes, Ewoks are the worst species in Star Wars. They worship a false god in C-3PO and then they, even more than their god, they worship their stomach. Because when Trippio tells them, no, don't eat them, those my friend, ah, we don't care, we're gonna fry them up, and we're gonna eat them because we haven't eaten in about two hours. Because none of them are skinny. All of them look fit, they look fine, they've been eating all day, they had that weird creature as a trap for Chewbacca, so there's plenty to eat on Endor. But they went ahead, we're gonna eat our heroes, and then on the Star Wars is it Galaxy Adventure shorts, they were eating Stormtroopers, and I haven't played it, but in the Battlefront 2 game, I hear they kill Stormtroopers, they murder bears, they're evil, and the Ewoks are the worst species in Star Wars. Yeah, I'm looking at you guys with those sticks, and that looks like a bat on the left side. Yeah. Ewoks, man, don't trust them. They look cute. Well, they'll get ya. They will get ya. So let me jump out to the comments real quick. Let me see what you guys are saying. Uh, let me go back. Yeah, that Leila has a choice of animal that is her best friend. Yeah, chewy, man. Chewbacca, that's, that's it's the best. You can't. Yeah, Ethan, you're right. Huts. You can't trust those huts. They're just evil people. All right, Anthony, what are you saying? Who's the worst alien? The ones that look like bugs in the most early canteen in both A New Hope and the Mandalorian. Yeah, I gotta look those guys up. Those, they're kind of weird also. What do I think Jawas look under that hood, Peter? I don't wanna know. 
I'm sure if you go online, you'll find it, but I don't think we want to see that. I won't put you guys through that trauma. Uh, Anthony saying he loves the Jawas except for when they break live chats. Yeah, I yeah, we don't want those. I think it was it two me too, two me too. Depends how big your pocketbook is. Yeah, I mean. All right, let me see. Not that Ted is. Yes, sorry, Ewoks. They are evil. They'll eat you when you're not looking. <sighs> Come on, you're reporting me on following me, Michael. Just let me finish the chat. I know, I knew I wasn't going to be popular by throwing the Ewoks. I might have my own issues with the Ewoks that I'm not, not telling. You're going to block me, Anthony? Yeah, I'm sure when I finish this and I go back to Twitter, my my followers are going to be down like to 20. I'm going to have to do an apology tour after this. All right, so that ends our discussion about the best and worst alien species in Star Wars. Thank you guys for playing along. I think we had a little bit of fun with that one. Like I said, all the these ratings are just good old fun everything every, every time you try to rate someone everything's subjective to what you like i've changed all my star wars rankings probably every time i watch a movie i change everything so we're just having fun here on radio rebellion a star wars podcast so let's jump real quick to one of our favorite segments of the show and that's when you ask me questions and i do my best in answering them and hashtag ask the rebellion so unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of questions this week, which is fine. We'll do with what we got, but I got you guys on the live chat and that gets me going. So if you guys, again, on the live chat, have any questions for me while I answer this first one, go ahead and put them on the chat and I'll do my best to answer them. And then you guys can answer your own questions also. And again, if you're watching this on the replay later on YouTube, put your questions on the comment. Tweet me at Radio Rebel Pod if you're listening on the audio podcast later this week. And every week, usually on Thursday, I put out the call for questions. You don't, don't have to wait till Thursday. You send me a question. I'll read them on the show, and I'll do my best to answer them as honestly as possible. So the question this week comes from our friends at the Geek Strike Back podcast, and I believe this was... Um, Oops, see, I almost knocked down my whole set. Sorry, everything everything moved. All right, so they asked, I had to write it down, if two vegans hate each other, would that be considered beef? The geeks right back, always with their weird questions. And they asked me, is it okay if it's a silly question? Of course, this is a silly show. We have fun here on Radio Rebellion. <clears throat> so my answer would be, if two vegans fight, would it be considered impossible beef or beyond beef? That's the question. So to throw this back to a Star Wars world, I went ahead, I was thinking which species in Star Wars might be vegans or vegetarians. So before I put that out, I did my own search and I found that there are actually a couple of vegetarian species on Star Wars, most of them in legend, which I haven't heard of any of these species before. So. I am sorry if you guys have heard about this species before, just let me know. But I did do a quick search. And some of the vegetarian species on Star Wars Legends are the Tarasins, Advos, Bilars, and the female Nemthi. And hopefully I didn't butcher any of those names. 
But in canon, there is one vegetarian species, and it is the Ithorians, also known as the Hammerheads. So Ithorians are a vegetarian species in Star Wars, so at least we can bring this whole full circle 360. If two vegans fight, is that considered beef? Again, impossible beef. But the Ithorians are the vegetarian species in Star Wars, so at least it... We can make it do, make it all Star Wars related. All right, so before I finish this up, um, so I did have one question here from Peter from JT Conley. If you were born in the galaxy far, far away, do you think you would have been an Imperial or joined the rebellion or something else? I have my answer. And I think other people will say that I fall on the dark side because I do like the dark side a lot, especially when I collect anything or I mean, you can see this shirt, first order. But no, I would join the rebellion. I am a Jedi like my father before me. So I do think that I would, if possible, join the Jedi order. But if not, I would join the rebellion. I would not join the evil empire. So yes, Peter, I would be part of the rebellion. And finally, Anthony, I can always count on you to send me a question and he, you say, what's your thought on stormtroopers having bad aim when the Empire held the galaxy for 20 years? How that happened with incompetent soldiers? That's a good one. So I don't think they have bad aim. I did a show, was it? I think I was reviewing one of the Clone Wars episodes from season seven. I can't remember if it wasn't the Bad Batch, it was the Ahsoka Tano when, I think it was that one, when they're on fighting with the pikes trying to leave that planet. I think the pikes had a bunch of blasters and they were missing a bunch of open shots. So I think blasters are just bad for people running. I was watching actually yesterday um, Looper from Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi. And they have the main character has the big gun, the blunder, blunderbun, blunderhouse, whatever it's called, blunderbuss, blunderbuss. And they said it's great for short short distances, but if you're farther away from like 15 or 20 feet, you're gonna miss everything. So I think blasters are just bad shots. And I know you love blasters, but I think if someone's too far away, they're gonna miss anyway. Blasters are for close range, and then they have the blaster rifles for longer range. Because yeah, they were in charge for 20 years. How can that be? Fear, because the original governors put fear on everyone. So yeah. Stormtroopers, I don't think they have bad aim, just bad weaponry. Okay, so that does it for today. Again, what a show. Thank you guys as always. I love when we get a couple of people on the live chat. It gets me able to talk more with you guys, improvise a little bit. You said not to improvise. Well, do something. Uh, that's one of the reasons I got into podcasting was talking Star Wars with like-minded people. And that's what I try to do every week. So thank you guys for joining on the live chat. Thank you guys for listening later on the replay on the YouTube channel. And thank you as always for listening on the podcast, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to all the new followers we got on Twitter this past week and this whole month of May. And follow me, like I said a few times, at Radio Rebel Pod on Twitter, my personal Twitter account, at Tweets by AC. And if you want to watch more YouTube episodes, go to YouTube, search for Radio, Radio Rebellion Podcast, and you'll find those there. 
So as always, stay safe, be safe, and may the force be with you.